0: Good evening, everybody. My name's Anthony Stander, and I pastor a church called Living Waters Community Fellowship in Cape Town in Tableview. And uh, if you're in the area, you can pop in on a Sunday and visit us at 10 o'clock at Lilliput Primary. You're most welcome. I'd like to encourage you today with a, a talk on errors of purpose, and we're going to discuss Elisha. And I'm trusting that God will help you to find purpose and to find the direction you're going in through the leading and the examples of godly men. Our reading is 2 Kings 13 verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face. And he said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And verse 15, we're going to read from verse 15 on to 19. And Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you shall smite the Syrians in effect till you have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have hitten five or six times, and then you would have smitten Syria till you have consumed it. Whereas now you shall only Smite Syria but three times. So Elisha the prophet of God had come to the end of his life, a remarkable life where he had asked the God of heaven for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. This had been fulfilled in his life and he had lived longer than Elijah and was now an old man. The miracles done in his life was of short, was short, but only short of one when he died to have doubled Elijah's miracles. And we shall see later how the final miracle was fulfilled. Now away to Elisha's bed, rides the king of Israel, Joash. He's an unremarkable king who had not achieved much in his life. Distance from God, maybe religious in duties, but not his hearts and his deeds. And we know so many Christians like that come to church with their hearts and deeds are far from God. The high places were not taken away. Like many today who have done things in their life that still displease God. And he had this terrible testimony in the Bible. The word of God says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. God expects his people to love him and to be on fire for him. Lukewarm is a dangerous state to find oneself in times of trouble. Often lukewarm believers will turn quickly to the Lord in times of trouble, but soon return to old practices. God is not a red cross box to be opened only in times of trouble. We must learn to build our faith when the tree is green. In other words, when times are good, so that when the tree is dry, we have faith to withstand anything that is thrown at us. Faith grows and you can't use it like an emergency red cross box. Grow your faith now so that when your enemies come, we have our feet on the rock of God's word and we are not afraid. We cannot fight against strong enemies if we have missing pieces of our armour like the breastplate of righteousness or have no sword in our lives because we don't read the Bible. We are told that all of us must face an evil day in Ephesians chapter 6. So be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Joash hears that the man of God is dying and he panics. So he rides to Elisha and gets off his horse. And he says the same thing Elisha said when Elijah left the earth. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. In other words, he was saying to Elisha, what are we going to do without you? It's devastating. If you're going to leave us now, we've got so many enemies. You know, what are we going to do? You have the fiery army with you. The chariots of God are with you. What are we going to do without him? That's how King Josh, he felt that utter horror of being alone now. He felt he was going to be alone you know, without God. He's saying there are many enemies and we need you. You are the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Sometimes ungodly men know the scriptures, but do not let them change their lives. He must have read in Exodus 15, 21. And Miriam answered them, saying, Sing ye the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider has he thrown into the sea. It is God who wins battles, not men. The king is in fear of the future, and Elisha has pity on him and reaches out to him, only for the good of the nation. 2 Kings 13.15 And Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bone arrows. God requires us to take weapons of war, put on our armor, sharpen our swords. It's not a time for peace. The saying is, in times of peace, prepare for war, spiritual war. We are always going to be at war. You know what I mean? The the nature rages against itself. The seas rage. Animals eat each other. The world is unstable. And so we are never going to be absent from war. God's word says, Joel 3 verse 9, Proclaim ye this amongst the Gentiles. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your ploughshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, "I am strong." Is that not what Christians should be doing? We have spiritual armor, spiritual swords, and, and spiritual shields and weapons for war, for spiritual war. It's a time for the weak to say, "I am strong." and to beat your ploughsheds into swords, and to fight for the things of God here upon the earth, and to drive the enemy from every battlefield. Then it is that the dying prophet, with more faith and hope and vigour in him, even at the last, than the sinful king ever had in his prime power, exclaims as it were, Weep not, tremble not, faint not, fear not, I am going, but God is with you. God buries his workmen, but he carries on his work. Elisha was saying, I die, but God will surely visit you. Do not let this sad event unduly depress you. I must die for my time has come. But so long as you live, live to purpose. Take bow and arrows and let not your hands hang down. Go forth to the battle yet again and believe in the God to whom I have so long, though vainly, pointed you to him. For he is the Lord God of hosts, the God of battle still. Dry up your tears, forsake your grief. Take bows and arrows, arm yourself, go forth into the fight, and the Lord my God shall be with you. So Elisha says in 2 Kings thirteen sixteen, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow, and he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Men cannot fight these terrible battles without God. So Elisha puts his hands on the king's hands to steady him and give him courage and to strengthen his, falling, his failing faith. I want to tell you that God is doing the same for many of you here today. You do not realize it, but God is for you and not against you. We are not promised sedentary lives here on the battlefield earth. Sometimes the trumpets you hear in your dreams are war trumpets and spiritual war comes from God to rout the enemy out of your lives. 1 Chronicles Chronicles 5.22 says, For there fell down many slain, because the war was of God. Sometimes war is of God. We need to step up, stand up, rock up, for your deliverance draws near. Engage the sin in your life with ruthlessness, and drive the enemy out of your homes and out of your family lives. Then when the field is clear, engage the enemy elsewhere in your town and in your country. 2 Kings 13, 17 says, And he said, Elijah said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you shall smite the Syrians in Afik until you have consumed them. Till you have done what? Till you have won your battles. There was a war coming with Syria. Elisha was dying and the backslidden king did well to come and honour Elisha, for here he would find help from God. So Joah shot the arrow towards Syria. Notice prophetic actions can reflect what we do in the spiritual realm. I've seen Christians under attack, stamping on the floor, symbolising defeating the devil and they prevail. Swinging a spiritual sword against our problems, prayer walking an area to win people to Christ. Do it when you do not feel faith, and act like you have faith, And faith you shall have in trying times. Shooting the arrow is a declaration of war. Let the enemies know you are coming. Make the first move. Begin fasting. Begin praying. Begin worshipping. Let the earth tremble. Let the enemy know you're coming for him, and that you'll be no more defeated. Let the church stand up and win the wars here on earth. Again, mighty deliverances for Israel had been announced through Elisha. The last was to be the greatest of all. The Pledge of Deliverance Raising himself up on his bed, prophetic fire gleaming in his eye, Elisha bade the the young and stalwart king take his bow and arrows. Joash did as as the prophet required, not yet understanding his meaning, but no doubt forecasting some encouraging message. Elijah then bade him put his hand upon his bow and place his hands and he placed his own hands on the king's and told him further to open the window eastward and shoot. This was done. Then the symbolic action was explained. The arrow it shot into the air was the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, an arrow pledging deliverance from the yoke of Syria. It was shot eastwards because the Syrian ravages were coming from that quarter. The action declares 1. That deliverance is trouble is from God alone. And he alone can give it. So he is the true source from which to seek it. We have lost that principle in the faith today. Often God is the last we go to. First to the doctor or to their financial advisor. Or to anybody else for advice on our situations. But we should go to God first with our problems. And then allow God to lead us to the doctor or to the advisor. Two. God employs human agency in his deliverances. The bow and arrows are the symbols of the human instrumentality. Joish had to put his hands upon the bow. It was he who shot the arrow. It was he who was to smite the Syrians. Man has his part given him in all God's works of deliverance on the earth. You too must do something for your deliverance. You must also do something to get delivered. Do it now. 3. The human agent could only succeed as God had strengthened him. Elisha put his hands upon Joash's, signifying that the power to gain the predicted victories came from God. His hands were to be made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. It is on God's power we must always rely for victory. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name give glory. Then Elisha says in 2 Kings thirteen eighteen, He said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote three times and stayed. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have hit in the ground five or six times. Then you had smitten Syria till you have consumed it. Whereas now, You shall only smite Syria but three times. The symbol was not yet complete. Joash's quiver was yet full, minus that one arrow, and the prophet bade him hit the ground as if smiting something down on it. Joash took his arrows and began to smite the ground, hit the ground, hit once, twice, and three times, and then stayed. Maybe he felt foolish doing it. He was embarrassed, thinking maybe a king should not be doing such a thing in front of all his men. Yet King David danced in an ephod before God and did not care what anyone thought but God. The prophet was angry at this and told him he should have gone on hitting on the ground then would the Syrians have been totally consumed whereas now he would only gain three victories over them. These successive smitings therefore represented the victories in detail which Joash would gain over the Syrians. One may be surprised at first to see why the prophet should have dealt so severely with the king, for what might have been a perfectly natural mistake. But the stopping with the third arrow, no doubt, brought to light a certain weak line in Jerush's character, a want of perseverance, a tendency to be satisfied with partial results, to stop short of the ultimate goal of effort. And one can see how that may have hindered his complete success over the Syrians. We must always be radical with God's word. Never give up. No surrender, no retreat. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, cried out to Jesus with all the power that his lungs could muster. People told him to hush, not to be rude. They told him to shut up. Yet he didn't care. He was tired of being blind and polite, healing at any cost. And you can read that in Mark 10:47. The woman, suffering from an incurable and chronic blood haemorrhage, pursued Jesus in the middle of a crushing crowd. She risked everything just to secretly touch the hem of his garment, which may indicate that she approached Jesus from behind on her hands and knees, while using one hand to fend away the feet of the crowd, pressing around and about her. Mark nine twenty to 22 the persistent mother from Canaan pursued him beyond the accepted boundaries and protocol of social, racial, and religious protocols. She was desperate to win deliverance at any cost for her daughter. Matthew fifteen twenty 28 The demonic man possessed by a legion of demons rushed to meet Jesus at the lakeshore with his body covered by nothing but the blood of self-mutilation. Mark 5, 1-20 The desperate friends of the paralyzed man who had spent days and nights on a litter broke the roof to get him to Jesus. In Mark 2 We must never give up. Always press in. Always trust in God's word. Let the Lord tell us to stop pressing. Let the Lord tell us to stop. Otherwise, we never stop trusting God and, and, and pushing in for victory. We learn from this action of Jairus, 1. Very trivial actions often reveal a great deal of character. How easily do we give up? We often have not from God, number two, we often have not from God because we ask not. The shooting of the arrows were at once prayers for victories from God and pledges of victories. Jewish, as it were, asked for only three victories and he got only three. Had he asked for more, he would have got more. It is never God's fault that we are defeated in our prayers. It is only ourselves to blame. Three, it displeases God that we do not ask more from him. His controversy with us is not that we ask too much, but that we do not ask enough. Joash missed the full blessing by not pressing through. What about you? What have you given up? Have you stopped praying for that wayward child? Have you stopped praying for that friend who is unsaved? Have you stopped praying for that healing? Never give up. Keep pressing it. Spurgeon says this, Charles Spurgeon. He says, let me speak of some matters in which many men too soon pause. There are some who, having great opportunities, and we all have them more or less, shoot only three times when they ought to shoot five or six times. One of these matters is the warfare with the evil within. Some, as soon as they begin their Christian life, fit an arrow to the string and shoot down big sins such as swearing or drunkenness, or open uncleanness. And when they have shot these three times, they seem to think that the other enemies within them may be tolerated. My brother, you should have shot five or six times. There remains a bad temper within you that must be conquered, or there remains an unforgiving nature that must be slain. There is no going to heaven with that evil thing alive. Or are you proud and self-confident? Do you not have an arrow for that evil? For God hates pride, and so should you. But certain people say, well, you know, that is my constitution. Well, Spurgeon says, then you must be constituted differently or else you'll not get to heaven. Oh, one says, that is my besetting sin. How often is that used as an excuse? If I were to go to across the Clapham Common tonight and a dozen men were to come around and knock me down and rob me, I should be beset by them. But when I stay at home and ask them into my house and feast with them and let them rob me, I cannot talk about being beset, for I have invited them there. Some professors tolerate themselves in sin. I repeat, they tolerate themselves in sin. End of Charles Spurgeon's quote. So be exuberant for God. Be over the top. People can't worship God with their faces to the ground. That's like striking the floor three times. Stand up with the saints and praise God till the heavens echo your praises. We are too encouraged to. Uh, by the scripture 1 John 5 verse 14 and this is the confidence and we underline that word that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know he hears us whatever so we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him this is the most incredible scripture if we ask so we must ask first anything so that is anything anything that we can ask but here's the catch anything according to his will then he hears us so if your prayer is in line with God's will God will give it to us in his time and in that we can have absolute confidence in I say that a lot to Christians you'll be so surprised what you could ask God for that is according to his will and you will receive it according to God's word do we realize what that is saying I see many Christians going to the lottery hoping that God will let them win the lottery. They say, oh God, I'll use this money for you and give it to the church. Yeah, right. God would have to cheat for you to win the lottery, as the lottery is not God's and the devil's. He'd have to reach down and turn the ball so that your numbers come up and let you win. If you're trusting in the lottery, you're placing your trust, not in God, in the devil. Ask God for money, and if it is according to his will, You will receive it according to that scripture. You'll be surprised what is sometimes God's will and what will God will give you if you ask. If God does not give it to you, you may have to work for it. Or maybe the worst thing that you could have is all that money that you're asking for, as it might destroy you. Trust the Lord. God is good. And and uh, the plans that God has for you are good plans. Place your needs and trust in God alone. The Reformers coined the term solo Christos, Latin by Christ alone, is one of the five solos that summarise the Protestant Reformers' basic belief that salvation is obtained through the atoning work of Christ alone, apart from individual works, and that Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Christ alone. Go to God alone with all your problems and ask for deliverance. No one else. First, let God send you if you must go elsewhere after that. You'll be surprised what miracles await you, though, at the foot of the, of the throne. The miracles of the Old Testament are given to us that we might profit from them. This incredible account of Elisha and Josh shows us how to trust God, stand up against the enemy, shoot an arrow as it were, and prophetically never give up because God is with us. I promise to end with the death of Elijah, the final miracle. 2 Kings thirteen twenty, Elisha died and they buried him and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year and it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulchre or the grave of Elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha he revived and stood up on his feet so after Elisha died the enemies came and law and order began to break down Josephus, the great historian, relates the story otherwise. That some thieves, having robbed and murdered an honest traveller, threw his dead body into Elisha's grave and it immediately revived. Elijah was honoured in his departure and Elijah was honoured after his departure. Thus God dispenses honours as he pleases, but one way or the other the rest of of all the saints will be glorious. It is good being near the saints and having our lot with them both in life and death. So there were 14 great miracles by Elijah and 27 by Elisha when he died. And the last one, the man standing up from the dead, made Elisha's miracle 28, exactly double as he had asked God in the beginning, although he never saw the last one. How glorious are the things of God and how well does he enter into the affairs of men? Be a person of excellence. Be a person who does things over and above what men expect of you. Shoot arrows. Declare war by your actions. Continue smiting the enemies in your life by the power of God. And maybe when your time comes, others will come to your bedside and say, My Father, my Father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. For they too will have seen the great faith that you have walked in, in Christ our Lord. Amen. I'd like to pray for you guys now and I really ask for those that are struggling and that those have lost their way and maybe those that have given up in prayer and been praying a long time to God for deliverance of family, friends or the situation that you're in. I want to encourage you these these accounts. I don't even say they're stories because they're true accounts were given to us to show us and help us in the last days to be able to remain uh, firm and and in our faith and in trusting the Lord for the things that we are, are believing in him for. So I want to pray with you today and I want you to regain your trust and faith. Stand up for the things of the Lord. Defeat is not an option. So, Father God, as we come before you in the name of Jesus today, Lord, I pray for everybody listening here, for those that have lost their way and their faith, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they confess it now and that you would uh, give them a new touch of your spirit, Lord, uh, a new boldness in their faith, Lord, uh, the gift of faith from the spirit, Lord, to be able to stand up and believe you for great and mighty things. Forgive us where we have sinned, Lord, and have, have, have lost our way. Lord, help us to glorify you by trusting in you, Lord and in your word. I pray for those Lord whose faith has been weak that you would strengthen every Christian listening to today in Jesus name, Lord, and they would take a strong stance for the things of God. if you need something, ask the Lord, God knows you need it anyway, but sometimes we got to put it down there and ask it so Take faith, Christians. I pray for every believer, Lord, that you bless them today with faith and courage and strength. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help us to carry on. In Jesus' name I ask this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. May God bless you, and I'll see you once a month again. And may you raise the flag of Jesus Christ above your life. Say the Lord is in the house, and begin our walk again in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.